Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Debbie Marketplace podcast. I am not Kane Fassell. Uh, I'm Shane P. Hallam. You know, we've had a little rotation here the past couple of weeks as we go on vacations, have other plans. I was out last week. This week, Kane is out. He is enjoying the lake house for the 4th of July uh, as we record this on the 3rd at night. But Nelly is back after uh, he had a couple weeks off. I haven't talked to Nelly in like a month, so I'm excited for this. Nelly, how you doing, man? I'm great. It's been, it has legitimately been a month. I mean, it's like we've lived completely different lives for a little while now. A little while now. We had a great second podcast, super calm, no controversy, no fighting, no bickering. <laughs> no fighting. Um, so, yeah, exactly. So, in a great place right now, great mood and enjoying just talking shop. Look, and we, we found out today on the Discord, which if you have not joined, you can check the pin tweet Debbie Marketplace and join the Discord for free. Kane's. Uh, Kane's playing the Scott Fishbowl on Sleeper, so he must be a secret Sleeper lover, I think, you know, deep down. I think that's what that means, right? No other. Yeah. We all knew that, too, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. it was very clear. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, so t- today, we're, we're going to take uh, take things a little bit different, uh, especially because Kane's not here to, you know, shut down any ideas that we had. So we're going to talk about things that, Owners do in fantasy football might be Debbie, might be campus to Canton leagues, might be dynasty that are just stupid. Like these are stupid moves that people make for whatever reason, pretty consistently. So you can avoid these trappings in the future and not do them, uh, have more optimal strategy than suboptimal strategy. So we're going to hit on a couple of those today. Of course, so we'll have the history minute later. We'll do our buy, sells, and unknown stocks, and we'll uh, get out of here for a nice, quick summer show. So, Nelly, do you want to kick us off with uh, stupid things people do? Yeah, let's do it. I love talking about stupid things people do. <laughs> um, I guess one that I'm pretty passionate about is uh, specifically within C2C, I think tanking one side – to benefit your other side uh, is a bad strategy. I think in C2C, people don't realize that it is very easy to be competitive on both sides. And so if you are willingly saying, I am going to lose on this side um, to try and gain some value on the other side, you're hurting yourself more than you're helping yourself. Uh, I think this applies even more specifically to our question of of stupid things uh, when it is done uh, by killing your NFL team to strengthen your college team. Uh, because, I mean, a lot of people view the campus side as like uh, uh, a minor league team, if you will, for the NFL side. Uh, so why trade away sure things on the NFL for prospects for the NFL, right? Like it's just one of those things. It's like, like this thing that you're trading for, it could be anything. It could even turn into the thing that you're trading away, right? It's like there is no upside and there is so much downside because here's what could happen, right? Your NFL team stinks already. You've, you've made that commitment. So NFL team bad. What happens if those prospects don't work out? All of a sudden, NFL team bad, college team bad, and you're just dead, right? Like this is how orphans get created in campus to Canton leagues is because if you kill your NFL team and then your prospects don't work out, which happens all the time, 
it happens like way more often than people realize or really want to know. Um, your team is just, it's double destroyed, right? So don't do that. Compete on both sides. Don't kill one side for the benefit of the other. Um, and go and compete every year and try and win money on the college side and the NFL side every single year. Look, I'm not going to say that I am a stupid person who has done that. I think I've gotten to the line, right? Because I think there's a difference between what you're talking about, right? Where people are like trading away all those NFL assets, oftentimes for like Debbie assets, which is the a part of the problem because you're not getting college fantasy points like from that. Um, and you're underselling. I've seen a lot of underselling of your NFL. Like you got to treat the NFL players like gold. You have to really balance the scales. And I've definitely seen people do that. Um, yeah. Or like, or like I said, do it intentionally. Cause I think it's one thing to trade away a player um, to build a different side. You know, I don't think Natalie's not saying like, don't make, you know, trades that cross the line, but um, yeah, I mean, there are people that just want an abysmal NFL team always. And like, that, that's not going to help you long-term. I'm with you. Yeah, and, and here's the thing with that, right? Like tanking in normal dynasty is a completely different conversation because when you're when you're bad in dynasty, you get draft picks, right? Like there is a benefit. There is kind of a reward for being bad. There is no reward for being bad. Congratulations, you drafted Roshan Johnson, right? Like, and maybe even not. He, it yeah, might have I was been like, I was like that, that's being generous. Like, right. You know. So there is no benefit to being bad. So there is no reason to, like, there is no reason to tank on the NFL side. Yeah. On, honestly, tanking on the CFF side is better because at least you get the next big freshman quarterback, right? Like if you get the one oh one, if you get the one oh one in the rookie draft on the NFL side, all the players are already taken. You know, you're, you're, you're screwed. You're taking Trey Tucker and, you know, hoping for the best. Like it's, it's pretty rough. So that, yeah. that is a dumb thing. Um, my, my my dumb thing, and we've talked about it on the show here a little bit, because I think it applies to C2C. I think it applies to Debbie a bit as well. And that's people just going too hard on freshmen, just in general. And I, I think, Nelly, you and I are in basic agreement. Like, five-star freshmen, worth it. They work out a lot more than four-star freshmen and three-star freshmen. When you look at percentages – even if you are the best talent evaluator and I try to be, you know, uh, I feel like I'm good at evaluating college and NFL players, but like watching high school film, often poor quality high school film and trying to be like, yep, this guy, you know, go into Oregon state, man, he's the next big thing. Like I can't do it. I, I think there are people that are much better at it than me, but it's very difficult to do. I think, a lot of people get suckered into just going too hard on the freshmen in, in Debbie leagues. Um, yes. You never would have gotten Bijan Robinson unless you drafted him as an incoming freshman. Uh, you wouldn't have gotten Travion Henderson, but there's a lot of players that you drafted freshmen over like Raheem Sanders, like Braylon Allen um, that you passed on. And, and, you know, you got a big load of Trey Sanders, right? Like you got a big load of nothing. I think it's worth a shot on the five stars um, at times. I don't think you should give up more sure things just for like the freshman wildcard bag. I think in campus, the Canton leagues, that's even more 
of a piece in your supplemental drafts, maybe two rounds, draft the five-star freshman, move off, move to CFF Debbie guys. Um, and I don't even think it's bad to do that earlier, to take a Devontae Walker, to take someone that's kind of both when people are just stocking up on freshmen. I'm, I'm going to see C startup. People are still drafting. I've seen someone draft a three-star freshman in the 37th round of the startup. Like this guy's never going to play. You know, it's not going to happen. The odds are so slim. Don't you don't need to do that? I think it's stupid things that people do because they, um, it, it kind of like what you said, Emily. It could be anything. It could, it could, this freshman could be anything, could be uh, tremendous. Uh, and you just buy yourself into that instead of someone with better odds. Yeah. I think that is a massive mistake that people make. I mean, I think you have to like, what, what is the, I mean, when these three-star freshmen, these like low four-star freshmen are getting drafted, right? Like it's like, what is the path to relevancy? Like this is a running back at like, like BYU, right? Like this is not like BYU isn't pumping out guys who are future values and he doesn't have anything else that would indicate that he's going to break the mold. So like what's the bear out or no, not the bear. I've got my animals mixed up. What's the bull outcome? <laughs> Like that he's tied Tyler Algier and he gets drafted in the fifth round. Like if there's a 5% chance of that happening, is that a worthy outcome for 5% likelihood? Like there, there are a lot of times where th- these freshmen are getting drafted and there is like no path to relevancy whatsoever. And if there is, it's like very slim relevancy that take will take years to get to. Yeah. I, I, I just think we get to intuitor, you know, I've seen, like, I got the question um, from someone on Twitter, just DM-wise, like, should they take Troy Franklin or Makai Lemon in a Debbie draft? Like, like it, shouldn't be, it shouldn't be a question. Like, if, if Makai Lemon did what Troy Franklin has done in his career, then you'd be happy with Makai Lemon. Like, just take the guy that's already done it. You've already seen it. So, I, I don't know. Well, my next one kind of piggybacks off of that in terms of they've already done it, you've already seen it. Don't trade away elite quarterbacks. And I think that goes – I mean, it applies to Debbie slash C2C as well. I see people trading away Caleb Williams to a lesser extent. Drake May, I think those are two different conversations. But, like, don't trade like don't trade away Patrick Mahomes. Don't trade away Josh Allen. Don't trade away Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, all these guys, right? Like Justin Herbert, like – this is it's such an important i mean i've gotten on my soapbox about this plenty in the past like this isn't new information for me but like the chance that the package that you receive ends up eclipsing what this person is currently giving you in value in the future is very very slim and you take on so much downside variance in the meantime um and even if everything still works out in terms of the package that you receive for these elite quarterbacks like you probably will still need a quarterback in the end, right? Like, so there is just so, if you go back and you look at these trades that are made for these elite quarterbacks uh, in hindsight, like there are so few of them that work out. So it's just like, if you, if you have this thing, like sometimes it gets boring to just sit on Patrick Mahomes and look at this massive piece of value. But like, there's a reason why he holds that massive level of value. So unless you literally cannot say no to an offer because that is that juicy, that good, 
like hold on to your elite quarterbacks. And and like I said, to kind of I mean, word Debbie show. I think that applies to Caleb Williams. Like, don't trade Caleb Caleb Williams away for any package of Debbie assets. Like, I've seen it happen. I, I bought him for uh, like a good chunk of of Debbie value, and I would have paid twice that this offseason. Like, I I just think when it comes to Debbie, like he is your Patrick Mahomes in terms of just the monumental value cliff that he has over everyone else. Yeah, it is. You know, we always talk super flex, right? So first thing, it, you know, it's always super flex. Um, and that's where this is important. Like, it, we get in the Discord a lot. People post a trade that's like, hey, I got this offer for Patrick Mahomes. And on paper, it's a lot of good players and assets. But, like, every time, like, eh, just keep Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> you know, there's almost no reason. Um like yeah, I better you better be getting an elite quarterback in return plus 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 you know Justin Herbert plus 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 and still it's still better really good. And I think it's still tough for me to be like, yeah, let me give up 13 years of Patrick Mahomes. Um because they're hard, you know, it's hard to acquire. It's hard to acquire those elite quarterbacks, and it's almost always you know undervalue. Uh, which means if you're not the stupid person, go go try to trade for an elite quarterback. Go try to give up too much. You can make it back up. You know, Kane was one of the first people that really tuned me into like bully quarterback strategies in Dynasty and Devi, just loading up on those quarterbacks. Now I've done it in some startups. I'm in a C2C, that C2C startup I just talked about. Like I, I kind of did that. Um, it, my team's probably not gonna be great, but like it, when I'm in a dynasty league, rookie drafts, I'm drafting quarterbacks every year like i'll just keep adding and someone will, will trade the house for tua it you know that that's that's who people should be trading the house for because they need a quarterback don't don't give up Mahomes when you have them. yeah I, i'm with you um all right so my next um you know s- stupid thing that people do let, let's talk like this kind of kind of kind of get a little etiquette based uh, a bit, but Kane complained about this on the Discord, and I just ran into it again. And it's like the people, I think, stupid thing people do is not make trade offers, right? Like, if you're talking to someone about a trade, hey, I'm interested in this player, and I come up with something, I offer you a package, you're like, no, I don't like this guy that you have in your package, and then they're like, that's it. I'm like, what? What do you want to do? Like, I think I think it's dumb. We've talked about it on the pod before. Like, make counter offers. Just make trade offers to people. We don't have to talk everything out. And I hate the people that just want me to do all the work. Like, that's that's being stupid. I'm not going to want to try to trade with you again. And you're going to miss out on something later. You're going to miss out on something you want later. Because it's not worth it for me to go to you and have to literally pull teeth sending you 50 offers to hopefully get you to accept one. But like, I just dealt with a guy who wouldn't, wouldn't count, like said he, he wanted to upgrade his NFL side in the C2C. And so I, I made him an offer and he told me all the players he didn't like. And so I swapped out those players. And then he told me the two players he still don't like, like he would never counter offer me. I'm like, I'm done. I'm not, I'm not putting, I'm not like spending, especially at C2C when you got to come up with trades on both sides, it takes a lot of time, but Debbie dynasty, anything 
Like, I just, I like just, I, I'm, I'm like Kane. I like to send the trade offer in the system. You can accept, reject, counter. And like, don't, don't make the other person do all the work, whether you want something or not. If you're not interested, I'm not interested in the conversation. But like, I can't stand the people that expect someone else to put in all the work. And I think it's stupid because I think you lose trade partners that way. Um, you know, I'll still trade with the guy if he comes to me with an offer, but he's not going to. And I'm I'm going to be very hesitant to come to him with something, especially that's pretty big and expansive, because I, I know it's probably not going to get done. And I, I don't want to put in another two hours to try to get a trade done. Yeah, I think you're spot on. I mean, trading is trading's miserable. You, you just hate trading, though. Completely different conversation. No, but I mean, I, I agree with you. I hate when people come to me. And they want something, but they want me to put in the work, but they want, like, it's what they want. It's just like, well, this just isn't how it works at all, like, at all. But, yeah, no, I know. Just, I need some no trading leagues, which is, I don't know if they exist. Yeah, I mean, my leagues are essentially no trading leagues because I'm in them. It's like, you just need leagues that, yeah, that are, like, dead. That's what you need. Dead leagues. But only because I'm super active. Trading is just very anxiety-inducing. So, like, how how are you active if you're out trade? Like, what are you doing? Working is waivers. That, setting your lineup. Well, Ch- yeah, talking trash. Funny. Setting my lineup. <laughs> Chuck, Doug. Nelly's putting up all that three hours a week talking trash in all his leagues. It's true, and my uh, my my sleeper user is different than my Twitter user, so people don't know it's me. So I get a little more. You might be in a league with Nelly if you're listening to this. You don't even know. You might be. You probably don't like me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I probably win in it too. No. Um are we doing are we doing another round? Yeah, let's do one. Let's do one more. One more. Okay. So this isn't I actually I want to preface this. I don't think doing this is stupid. I think I do this. I think a lot of people do this. I think with Debbie. I think it is borderline stupid to be too optimistic. And I think everyone is very optimistic in Debbie. But I think you need to look at a prospect and you need to recognize the upside. And then you also need to equally recognize the downside. And I don't think people like doing that because it stinks, right? Like it's like if if you're kind of recognizing, hey, this player has a 10% chance of working out, it kind of minimizes the importance of it, right? But I think that is super important when we're talking value, right? So like... No one even going into last offseason con- was considering the path that Keishan Butte ended up taking. Like, that wasn't even a thought, right? Keishan Butte was viewed as kind of bulletproof. He was viewed as a stud. And that was certainly an outcome. It was probably the likely outcome, right? But, like, what happened was always a potential outcome. Was it likely? No, but, I mean, it was likely enough to happen, right? And it's hard to quantify it sometimes, but I think people love to look at Debbie prospects through rose colored glasses and see what can be and believe that that's what will be. And it kind of clouds their value clouds, their judgment with how Debbie players get valued versus NFL players in trading talks. And I think when we talk about like, when we talk about Debbie to NFL trades, this is like the important concept that I think sometimes doesn't get across. It's like, there is so much downside. Like the likelihood of these players hitting is lower than we, even our favorite ones is lower than we want to admit. Um, and I think 
the more that you realize that as a player, as a as a manager of these assets, the better you will be able to um, objectively value them. Uh, no, I think it's good because I, I think for me, it, like you said, we all do it. You know, it's hard, but um, you know, from an NFL draft perspective, like I have a new twenty twenty four mock draft seven rounder coming out. And there's a lot of Devi assets that I I couldn't fit in the top four rounds. You know, just that's how the NFL draft works, right? And it's like if they don't go in the top four rounds, do we really want them for for our fantasy teams? Not really. So a lot of guys that I, I have, you know, rose colored glasses on that I think will be good. I'm probably overvaluing still because they're, you know, there's probably a better chance, like you said might be only 3% that they go in the top 100, especially they're running back nowadays. Um, we probably should keep that in mind more. And probably a lot, a lot of people that are more, most successful at Debbie trade away a lot of their Debbie picks. Um, it probably happens more more than we think. Um, I would hope if you listen to this podcast, you you know, ingest a lot of the good Debbie and C2C and college football content out there that you – know a little bit more and have a little bit more savvy. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that don't and we'll just, uh, you know, we'll, ju- we'll just swing and miss on a win. Well, and I think it's, it's partly fueled by the fact that like when you join a Debbie league, when you join a C2C league, it's probably pretty new to you. It's probably pretty fun to you, right? Like it's like you're learning this new kind of avenue, these new assets, these new values. And that's what's so much fun about it to a certain extent. Right. And so, I think people tend to, especially people who are new to the format, tend to overvalue it in part because of kind of the ignorance of the downside and in part because it's fun, right? So I think you're spot on. Like guys who do well in Devi leagues are not relying on their Devi players to become like to help their NFL team, right? Like they're using their Devi assets to fuel their NFL roster early in terms of trading them for legit NFL players. I, I would bet on like a large case study that that would be what you'd you'd find with Debbie um, just kind of instinctively that, that, that makes sense. But so to a certain extent you have to measure, like, are you playing this for fun or are you playing this to win money? Cause if you're playing this to win money, you might have to take the less fun Avenue here. Yeah. And I think it's all balanced to your own personal preference. Like it's not necessarily a bad thing, but um, you know, if you, if you want to win, I think it's smart to. I think either way, it's smart to be realistic, and that is can yeah. be fun. Uh, my last one, is, I think it applies to all formats. I actually think Dynasty. Nah, it applies to Debbie too, but Dynasty and Debbie mostly. Um, and I've gotten caught in this before, so I, I'm not immune to being stupid here. But it, it is the owners that never compete, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just like always rebuilding or kind of in the middle and you know you're picking up like i don't think picking up rookie picks or debbie picks is bad right it's an asset that accrues in value and you could trade away later but it's hard we we just talked about the fun versus winning money element you know versus winning um if you're always rebuilding it can be fun because it's fun to draft young players and and devi players and rookies whatever but at some point, the goal is to win. And there's too many people that I've seen get caught in this um, always rebuilding. 
Now we have people post in the Discord a lot, like you know, super big rebuild. Maybe they took over an orphan. That was really bad. You know, it happens, and like you know, it's a bad team. It's gonna take me four years to rebuild this, right? You put kind of an arbitrary date on it. It's like it's like it's like it should take you four years. It doesn't have to. You know, I, I think people get caught in this like long term rebuild, and when you're just keep rebuilding and trying to to sometimes trade away some people trade away second year players or third year NFL players because they're like too old for this deep rebuild I'm in, and it's like when you get to the end of year you get to year four when you get ready to compete. You traded for a lot of assets that didn't do anything. You traded for a lot of assets that maybe ended up, you know, not being great. Um, and uh, we got to rebuild again. <laughs> like we got to go back to it. I got to trade away the couple guys I did draft that were good because I got to rebuild again. So you want to just stay out of that. Like go. Uh, now I, th- I think it's something you should do every year. Go look at three years ago. Just look at Dynasty ADP from three years ago. Just go look at it. It'll blow your mind, the guys that don't exist on the fantasy radar that were going first, second round of startups, right? Like things change very quickly, which means that you can change very quickly. Think of things in a three-year window. Don't bypass those veterans. Even if your team isn't a contender, you can have Mike Evans on your squad. It's okay. Like it'll probably help you. He's going to be around for three years. You know, it'll probably be fine. So I, I, I just think being in that always rebuild it's tough to get stuff out of that mindset, but it's, it's important. Yeah, for sure. That's a great shout. I think it's one of those things where like people feel like they have to pigeonhole their team strategy. Like it needs to, if things aren't looking great, full rebuild. If things are looking decent, all in buy a bunch of old guys who are going to score now. Um, and I mean, I think one of the constant themes of this whole podcast so far has been, there's so much unknown. Right. And so like, you don't have to commit to this full rebuild like early, right? Like you don't need to force the rebuild to happen. Like leave your roster flexible, whatever happens happens, but like you don't have to like set the direction of your team right now. And ultimately what's the goal, right? The goal is to, to, to win money and be profitable in your league. Right. I mean, I think we all play this for fun, but we don't want to just be hemorrhaging money while we do it. So like, you're not, I mean, if, if you are guaranteeing yourself to miss the playoffs every year, you're, you're ultimately, you're not meeting that goal. Right. And that's, I, I like what you said about pigeonholing your team. I don't think it has to have a firm identity. You can make some shifts. Um, I, I love when I start having a contending team is to every off season, trade a piece of that team for a rookie pick or for Debbie picks, right? Like, like keep, that younger side, or at least keep those assets that I know I can trade for value if I need to. Um, and, and it keeps the machine going longer. I think then just like, all right, I'm all in. Like after two years, we're, we're going to bottom out here. You don't have to do that. It's okay. If you know, every piece isn't perfect, you can still win a championship um, and vice versa. You know, a rebuild doesn't have to be a, a garbage roster. Like it can be decent and you still can be doing it. So yeah, I love that. I, I actually love like diversifying a roster, right? Like having like a, a rookie wide receiver, another young guy that's pretty promising, a couple older guys that are scoring. And if the old guys are scoring, 
and the young guys end up doing better than you think, like all of a sudden you're a contender. The old guys aren't scoring. Then all of a sudden you're rebuilding. You can make that decision week six, week eight. You don't have to make that decision week negative six, whatever we are at right now, and pigeon your help, pigeon, pigeonhole yourself into a strategy that might not be optimal when you look back on it. So there you go. There's some stupid things people do. Stupid things both of us have done as yeah. well. So don't don't take it personally. Uh, I, tanked, I tanked an NFL side uh, my very first ever C2C draft. I'm still recovering from it. You might be recovering for a while from that yeah. one. Um, uh, let's, let's do the history minute. So I got a, kind of a quick history minute. Uh, this, this is about a guy named uh, Frank Hayes who was uh, born in Ireland. 1901 and he was um he, he trained horses he was kind of a stableman training horses for horse racing and um he, you know so he never won a race he wasn't like a jockey by trade and so he goes out 1923 belmont park in elmont new york and goes out and runs uh a race and wins his first ever race and um the horse was kind of behind and then it ran up, he won, everyone runs over to congratulate him and realizes halfway through the race, he had a heart attack and died. Oh, uh, he was actually the only jockey ever to have won a race while dead. Um, he was dead and won the race. So age 22, he passed away, which is sad, but um, he raced, he won. The horse that he raced, Sweet Kiss, um, was the name, became nicknamed Sweet Kiss of Death never ran another race again for the fear that whoever rode her would die. <laughs> I mean, the, the balance of the horse to keep a dead rider on her back the whole time is, uh, I mean, she had to be pretty I skilled. Think, yeah. I think that's the, un, that's the unwritten story here. That's impressive. Yeah, sweet kiss of death. She is the star of the show. So. <laughs> oh, what a legend. All right, uh, let's do our buy sells unknown stock. Uh, my buy, uh, we actually talked about on the second pod. Nelly talked about him a lot. I thought it was worth bringing over here is Bo Nix, the quarterback from Oregon. Um, I think is probably the quarterback worth taking a shot on outside of the top Debbie quarterbacks. He probably is going to get top 100 capital. I, I think I've kind of pumped him up. Everyone hates him because he stunk at Auburn, but at Oregon, he blew it up last year. He's going to have another good year. And has a shot to be a first-run NFL draft pick in my mock coming up. I will have him in the top 20 of the NFL draft, so worth that shot. My sell is a player I like, but I, I fear for how this year is going to go. It's Branson Robinson, the running back out of Georgia. I think he's good. I think we saw the skill. We've talked about it on the pod before. The Georgia backfield is going to be split. It's going to be Dejon Edwards. It's going to be Kendall Milton. Branson Robinson might be the third you know, third fiddle to that. Um, you know, I just did a CFF draft with um, you know, Jared from C2C, and he talked about Branson Robinson is probably not going to do much this year. If he doesn't do much, it's not going to feel good from a Debbie perspective. I think his value goes down, so I might move him. My unknown is uh, Mayan Williams, running back for Ohio State, behind Trey Henderson, had some really big games last season. I think we are going to see a lot of Mayan Williams. I think we're going to want to keep Travion Henderson fresh for a potential – yeah, Michigan game playoff run. Um, so I don't know if he's worth a Debbie pick or, uh, you know, has an NFL future big. 
not super fast, but kind of agile and athletic. So part of me is like, ah, you know, I, I want to spend a late round pick on mine Williams and see if he could hit, be like a Roshan Johnson type. Uh, but at the same time, it feels kind of a waste, like we just talked about, for a guy that, you know, probably the odds are slim that he works out in, in the league in the draft capital. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I'm going to start off with with a buy on the NFL side. Um, Foster Moreau, I think, is a really good story, first of all. I just found out he's in remission from, from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Amazing news. I think he also has a shot to be pretty relevant this year. I mean, he's in New Orleans. He signed as a free agent. They have Juwan Johnson, who also kind of a cool story but I don't think is a world beater, right? And he's with his, he's reunited with Derek Carr from, from uh, I guess, Oakland and then Las Vegas with the Raiders. This is a guy who's a really good athlete. I think he's only like 26, 27. Um, flashed at times behind Darren Waller, especially when he had the opportunity to. This is a guy who I think could finish as a, as a back-end tight end one, right? If he's a, if he's a full-time starter, um, I don't know what happens there in New Orleans. Like Chris Olave is very good. Michael Thomas is decent if he's healthy. I I don't know. I think there's room um, for a target share if 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 Foster Moreau is is a full go this year and is running as their tight end one. Um, and he's dirt cheap. I mean, he's on some waivers, right? So like, you're not buying him for much. You're buying him for what? Like a third. You're buying him for like twenty fab off your waiver wire. Uh, it's a cheap buy, but I think it's a worthwhile buy. Um, my sell is Trey Benson, who I'm a big fan of, but I think this uh, kind of snowball of Trey Benson hype has has kind of gone past where I'm comfortable with it. I mean, um, seeing him rising up running back rankings out there, rising above guys who have pretty pretty unblemished profiles. And listen, Trey Benson is good. Trey Benson had a great end of the year last year. He had a good, what, like four or five game stretch. He's got kind of an exciting outlook this year for a very good or potentially very good Florida State team. He's a big back. He breaks a lot of tackles. But Trey Benson also had a devastating knee injury as a freshman. That's why he didn't see the field for two years. That is something that, I mean, injuries are always something we kind of want to ignore in terms of medical history, but that's something that is probably going to end up being on the radar for NFL teams. He still is also largely a projection, right? He's, he's only had four or five good games, right? Like he didn't start taking the reins until an injury halfway through the season last year. Um, and who knows, maybe Florida state isn't as good as expected this year. Like there's so much bad that could happen. And I don't think uh, the good is nearly as guaranteed as kind of his hype is, is getting it to be or getting it to ex- to be expected, I guess. Um, so, listen, I love Trey Benson. I'm not selling him for cheap, but, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm seeing him up by running back three in some rankings for this next class. I don't, I don't think he's that high. Um, so I'll sell him at that cost. Uh, my unknown is um, Oklahoma running back Javante Barnes. I, I have no idea what to do with this guy. Like, he had a decent freshman year in terms of the opportunity he earned he was not very efficient um now oklahoma is kind of a jumble at the in their backfield um and he's been hurt the whole spring right so that's not great they have marcus major who no one wants to talk about because why would anyone want to talk about him but he's gonna get touches this year in that offense 
Jeff Levy offenses always share the ball. Gavin Sawchuk looked great in their bowl game. Uh, and kind of brings something that no one else in the backfield does. He's going to be involved. I think they have a freshman coming in that some people are excited about. It's just going to be interesting to see how it all kind of pans out in that backfield. Because I think if you want anyone still for Debbie, it is Javante Barnes. He's kind of the biggest back there. He's the most well-rounded. But I don't know if he flashed enough talent in his opportunity as a freshman to – kind of expect him to take that next step that needs to happen from a second year back. Cool. No, I think Barnes is interesting. Good call. That's the show. Kane will be back next week. I think next week all three of us will be here. So you'll, you'll finally get the trio back together. But thank you so much for listening. As always, make sure you join the Discord. It's free. If you do want to join the Secret Shopper program, get a free second podcast every week and all our rankings. 25 bucks for the entire year, entire year. Uh, you can do that. And other than that, yeah, I'll see you uh, on Twitter or maybe on Blue Sky where Nelly and I are now. So maybe we'll see you over there. Uh, see everybody. Have a good